everything you say can and will be held against you in the court of law. <laughs> All right. Excellent. This has been reviewed by my attorney. Wonderful. And not approved. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dear Mr. Davis podcast. Today we have me, we have Dylan. Hello. And we have our special guest, Mr. Bales. Yes, sir. Thank you for allowing me to join you. The uh, privilege so, of being uh, on the podcast. That's right. <laughs> uh, but before we start, I guess, uh, tell us a bit about what you do here at the school. I uh, am the math department chair, and I teach AP Calculus, uh, AB and BC, AP Statistics, on the years that we have it, Honor Statistics, and uh, Pre-Calculus. So, and then I work with uh, Ms. Cogburn as the senior sponsor. Okay. Wow. okay. Yes. Massive shout out for the advertisement on the board <laughs> over there, by the way. Yes, there that is. Yep. There. Courtesy of Mackenzie Daniel. Yeah. Yes. Mackenzie Advertising. Okay. I just, okay. I just leased her to the space. That was all. She all did right. that. <laughs> we didn't even pay for it. So. Yeah. Free <laughs> yes. It's free real estate. That's um, right. I, I'm not a very good landlord. <laughs> Start off with the first question. Why? Why so much Elvis stuff? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody yeah, the, wants to know. <laughs> why so much Elvis stuff? Um. It's the quirkiness of it, <laughs> to be honest. I, I mean, I didn't grow up like a big Elvis fan, or nobody in my family was this big, crazy Elvis fan. Um, but quite honestly, it started in college, um, because I went to Purdue, and I was in a fraternity. And when the seniors would graduate, we would have like a senior dinner and senior roast, and it's basically just a process. You know, they tell stories about their years at the school and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. But one of the things they would do is will things away. And so they would have things that they would give to some of the underclassmen. And there was a senior who had an Elvis jumpsuit that was graduating when I was a sophomore. And it was at the end of the year. So he gave it to me and he said the only stipulation was that I had to wear it to the IU-Purdue basketball game every year. And did you? Oh, I did, yes. And we, we just, we, the tradition grew a bit oh, just no. beyond that. So it um, it turned into any major event on campus, Elvis would show up. And uh, with the basketball game, of course, they're at Mackey Arena and at uh, Purdue. When you get season tickets as students, of course, seniors and upperclassmen get better seats. and But you could buy them in groups of, it was 10 or 12. So you know, the upperclassmen in the fraternity, they would, you know, 10 or 12 of them would get together and they'd have seats in a group. And so I would sit with them and they would all dress in suits, like dark suits and sunglasses and you put in fake earpieces. We would all pile in a van and they would quite oh, literally come no. out of the van <laughs> as security and clear out the crowd <laughs> so Elvis could you. make his way <laughs> into the stadium. Yeah, it, uh, yeah, it evolved into you know, quite a scene. And uh, actually there was a couple of years um, you know, you get the clips on Sports Center and stuff like that. You know, they show clips from the crowd. And my cousin, actually, who went to University of Florida, it was one day after a game, and he calls and he goes, "Did I just see you on Sports Center dressed as Elvis?" <laughs> yeah, I bet you probably did. So we can probably find that video <laughs> somewhere. So I'm, I'm hoping you still it have would, that jumpsuit. Uh, I don't actually, because I don't. also willed it. You passed it down. I passed yeah, it down so that's from the tradition will continue. I don't know that it's still alive today, but I mean, I've seen you go out. Weren't you on stage for chapel a couple times doing that? I I did a couple times uh, here. There's um, 
a costume place over in Winter Park that I've rented one from. So when I first started teaching, um, I rented that costume when I was at the Christ School. So this would have been about eight years ago. And it was for you know a family event that they had at the school. So they wanted Elvis to be there. So I graciously volunteered. And uh, so I rented, you were joking about I should buy one. So I, but I rented that one. And then when Mr. Goff was here, they did a sock hop a couple of few years ago and he wanted Elvis to sing. So he got the choir together and they sang back up. And so I went to the same place and rented the costume again. And then I think it was a couple of years later where at the fall festival, they wanted Elvis to sing. So I went to the same place. So I've been to that place three times to rent. So it's becoming, you know, probably financially responsible for me to actually buy one. Yeah. <laughs> the Elvis costume. That's that's a good story. Yeah. Maybe if we can find the video, I'll link it in the description <laughs> of you as Elvis going to one of the basketball games. I'll see if I can find it and put it in the description. It'd be somewhere in the what, early 90s, 92? 92. Somewhere around there. 91, 92. All right, note to self-editing me. 92, Elvis <laughs> arrives at basketball game. Oh, yes. Okay. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Well, Mr. Campbell was talking about that you were very athletic, Mr. Campbell said, like yeah. just today. Um, <laughs> he said that you guys would play against the people in basketball. And I've seen you during the picnics throwing like really good football. Did you ever mm -hmm. play like football and basketball in my high school? College? No, in, uh, yeah, in Indiana, I grew up in central Indiana, um, in a yeah, fairly small town. And you know, basketball is the thing in Indiana. Like football is here, it's all basketball in Indiana. And you know, I mean, I'm not that tall, and you know, and I've sort of played, but not a lot. Um, you know, would just play with the friends and things like that, but never played at, at high school. Played tennis and golf um, during high school uh, on those teams. Um, and really, I, I started picking up sports more in college when I went to Purdue. They have an intramural system. And, you know, it being such a big campus, they would do um, sports with all the different fraternities. And I think there were 45 or, or 46 different fraternities. And um, you know, you'd have 100 to 150 guys in each. And so every sport you can think of, basketball, softball, slow pitch, fast pitch, badminton, racquetball, tennis, everything. So I would just play everything. So I didn't have to go to class. And of course, you know, having boys, you end up outside throwing the football or throwing the baseball or doing that stuff all the time. Yeah. So I guess I uh, remember one time you told us that you, you've adopted a lot of kids. Mm -hmm. What like led you to want to do that? Uh, my wife, Keisha, and I, um, of course, we had our, our two boys. Um, you know, it's been years you know at one point you know with the boys she's she had always wanted a girl and you know, <laughs> and, we're like, well, you know and you know as we kind of advance in age a little bit you're thinking oh i don't know do we really start with another younger you know younger child or not um and there had been just a few times like she might mention you know, I don't know maybe we should adopt you know think about that and it's sort of being passing and then we would go on about you know the days and the weeks and a month or two would go by and then kind of would come up again like yeah maybe we should think about that yeah okay and I'd just sort of move on um, but there was you know a point where I had started kind of thinking about it repeatedly just kept kind of coming up and um, 
And then one day it was towards the end of a year, and Keisha said, you know, they're having an adoption event at First Baptist Orlando. It was in early January. Um, and she said, do you want to go? And I think she was surprised because I went, yeah, I think we should. So, oh, okay. So we went. And honestly, my, my thought was we would go possibly look at fostering. And if we considered adopting one, that would be it, one. That's it. And so as you, you start, you're all in the, the big auditorium, and they're talking both about fostering and adopting. And, and, um, and the more they, they were talking, I'm you know, just sitting there thinking, I just feel God working on me, and I'm just going, yeah, you know what? I really feel like we should be adopting. I'm not saying anything, but that's just what I'm thinking. And so they take a break. They say, all right, we're going to break for lunch. You go over here, get lunch. When we're done, those that want to are interested in adopting, you can be in this room, and those that are interested in fostering, go in this room. So at that point, I looked at Keisha, and at the same time, we both just went, we're going to adopt, right? And it's just like, yep, we're on the same page. All right, so, but I'm still locked in. One, that's it. Just one. That's all we can handle. That's all I'm, I'm thinking about. Foreshadowing. Yeah, what's that? Foreshadowing. Yes. And so as we're sitting there, and they get through going through the adopting and and and, uh, and what all that entails and and the the kids that are in the system, they start talking about sibling groups and how a lot of times they'll you know depending on the ages sometimes they get split up because somebody only wants one that's younger and they don't want when you got someone that's older or you know just even as a group or especially the olders they just keep getting passed by and then when they turn 18 they just age out of the system and they're on their own now and so the more they were talking i just you know again you just feel god just tugging on your heart and i'm going i really think we should be looking at a sibling group again not saying anything but as soon as they had a little break kind of turned to keisha and she turned and she goes I really feel like we should be thinking about a sibling group. And I'm like, yeah, I was afraid you'd be on the same page. Um, so that's that's where it started, and um, you know, you just that was just sort of the introduction into it. And so we looked in, and you go through like classes, and they do a big home study, and mostly what they're doing is, uh, of course, kind of informing you is really what more of the classes are, not so much teaching you how to adopt, but just you know, kind of letting you know how everything works. And what to expect and, and those sorts of things and then a home study is really them analyzing where do you live who's already in your family you know what you know what type of family are you what's your house set up like what sort of, you know how many bedrooms do you have and, and really what they're looking for is they they get an idea of who, who you are so they can know oh here are some kids that this would be a great match for so it's, it's kind of, it feels like when you're doing it, like they're, I don't know, it's almost like, not like an interrogation, but you feel like at a point it's like, why do you need to know all this? But they're the ones that know the kids. And so they're, they're looking for the type of people that they know would be a good match for, you know, who they have. That's a big responsibility doing something like that. So. It, you know, it's, it's funny. It, it, before, like I said, I, I thought one period would be it um, because I couldn't imagine how we could handle any more than that. You know, having already having two. Um, but you know, I mean, when you know, it was clear that God was leading us towards a sibling group, 
And as we move through the process, and even in the process of you know, meeting the boys and and that, you know, it there's just a strange peace about it when you know you're doing what God has led you to do, because it's like you know this just feels right. This is what we're supposed to be doing. I don't know how this is going to work. Um, you know, I don't know how we're going to make ends meet or you know how, how it's going to happen, but I know this is what we're supposed to be doing and. You know, God has just showed us time and time again along the way that every time we get to a point where we're not sure how we're going to meet a need, somebody comes through or something happens, it just, you know, it all works out. Yeah, it's hasn't been without its challenges, but it definitely has not been anything like I thought it would be. I would have thought it would have been totally impossible. So I guess on the subject of you and your, um, your kids. Let's mm-hmm. talk about the watermelon explosions. <laughs> I know a lot of people that weren't in class want to hear that story. Yes, yes. That's a good one. So, um, yeah, so we were uh, having some folks over on the 4th of July, not many, and um, Benjamin, who's our oldest and is in college now, so this was a few years ago, and he was probably, I think he was a junior, he had just started driving. And we had had a couple watermelons and some firecrackers and he wanted to try to blow up a watermelon and so just a small firecrackers I mean not like super super skinny ones but medium size he's trying to tie some together and um, and in that process of tying them together sticks them in a watermelon and it, it just nothing happens just a and then just like okay well there's nothing there well, we also had some of those mortar shells that you, you know, the ones that you, that you drop in that, you know, they shoot up in the air and then they explode with all the color. So, oh, the big ones. The big ones, <laughs> the big yes. Ones. yes. And so, so uh, you know, my son, who's a junior, and me being the responsible father, he looks at me and says, can we try one of those? And, of course, my answer was, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, not knowing what would happen, we, you know, Put one in, of course, it you know, when it first ignites, it has a burst of flame, and that's what would shoot it out through the tube up into the air, right? So, we put it in upside down, and you have this burst of flame that comes out of the watermelon, just keeps it in there, and you're waiting, and then just a spectacular <laughs> explosion. Watermelon. Uh, watermelon went everywhere, further than we could have even imagined. Um, we actually had just had the house painted. And um, it was, this was in the backyard. And the next day when um, the painter came to just kind of walk around with us to make sure everything was finished, we were finding pieces of watermelon in the front yard. <laughs> but of course, after the first explosion, you know, we realized just how insanely spectacular it was. Um, he looks at me and he says, um, can I go to the store and get more watermelon? <laughs> you had to, had to do it again. Of course. Had to do it again. And that's yeah. where the famous math problem of if Jimmy has 42 watermelons, yes. <laughs> that exactly. comes from. Exactly. So we've done it a couple years since then. And we found, you know, very fed up hole in the fence from one spot where something had. I'm going to have to try that. There. Yeah. yeah, you've just <laughs> given him a lot about it. Yeah. I would recommend safety glasses. And when you're, if you think you're standing far enough away, you want to back up a little more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I guess, in yeah, complete contrast to that, uh, mm-hmm. why did you choose to become a math teacher, of all things? I, uh, I mean, honestly, I, I didn't have much direction when I went to college, um, other than I knew I was good at math and, and computers at that point. 
started with a major in electrical engineering and um, you know during the freshman year you just take your standard classes physics and chemistry and calculus and those sorts of things and the sophomore year got into the actual electrical engineering courses and very quickly realized I don't have much interest in this um, and so after the first semester of my sophomore year was going to change majors but again I really didn't know what I wanted to do and someone suggested actuarial science which is math and statistics and you know an actuary kind of primarily might work with insurance companies and use statistical models to analyze risk and I was like yeah okay I'll switch to that it was you know didn't really set me back much um, added a semester to what I needed to do yeah, but once I got through through four years of school um, over that summer I did an internship in New Jersey with an insurance company um, uh, to work as an actuary and then I'd be coming back in the fall for my last semester but after doing the internship realized yeah you know I'm really not interested in doing this either uh, so at that point I did very strongly consider changing to education um, but it would have really almost been like starting over and like a so complete 360 a complete, from what you were doing it really yeah it would almost be like starting that four-year clock over again and I thought well this is a good degree it, you know it'll put your foot in the door in a lot of places so I went ahead and just finished my last semester and, and moved on uh, I started initially out of college working in a bank in Indianapolis um, and then bounced around I moved to Dallas Fort Worth at one point uh, for a while and honestly, not long after that move, I was in a job transition where I considered looking into teaching, and then another job opportunity came up that was in line with what I had been doing. Um, Keisha and I met, and we got married, and, and uh, after Benjamin turned two, we moved up to Indiana, where my family is. And actually, when we moved, I sat down with the high school principal there to talk about what I might need to do to, to possibly get into teaching. And in the meantime, another job opportunity came up and it was sort of just follow the steps that seem like the path you're on, so to speak. So I, I did that, I ended up working at, at a trust administration company, administering trust and donor advised funds and um, you know, still in the financial world. And then I had an opportunity to come here to Florida in Orlando to work for Merrill Lynch as a financial advisor. And so that looked like a promising opportunity, so we took it and we came and moved everybody to Florida. And uh, it was within about a year and a half, it just, you know, it's really all about getting clients and bringing in money. And there were all these things in the works that just would almost get there and then something would happen that would just kind of either delay or fall apart. And eventually ended up uh, losing that job and then kept looking for something in finance, just sort of following that, that same path that we've been on. And over time was just interviewing and interviewing and interviewing and you know, every interview you would sit down and it was great, it was just perfect. You'd come out of it thinking, there's no way they're not gonna hire me for that job. This is a perfect fit, I can totally do this, we got along great. And then not only would I not get a reply, like, hey, we've gone somewhere, it was nothing. I would follow up and just nothing and then find it was just like god I don't know what it is that you want me to be doing and so one weekend I'm uh, having this conversation with my cousin's wife and she just stops me mid-sentence and she says 
have you ever thought about teaching? You'd really be a good teacher. And I said, well, I have before. <laughs> I said, but I'm not really sure. I don't know. I just don't see, feel like I'm on that path. And the very next day, we're at the Winter Garden Christmas Parade with some folks from church. Same conversation. They're asking, you know, how are interviews going and, and things like that. And the, just you know, kind of talked about it. And mid-sentence, um, she stops me and she says, have you ever thought be, about being a teacher? <laughs> You're a really great teacher. I'm like, okay, God, I think I got it. I think I hear what you're saying. And so the next day at church, I was sitting behind Carol Grosshands, the pastor's wife. And at that time, she was working at TFA. And she, you know, Lane, she goes, hey, how are things going? And I said, well, you know, kind of explain it. I've been interviewing, but I haven't had anything. But I just really feel like God's calling me to teach. And she says, uh, she looks for a second. She goes, do you have a degree? I said, yeah. She goes, what's it in? I said, well, it's actuarial science. It's math and statistics. Like, you're kidding me, right? She's like, no. She goes, we've been looking all over the place to find somebody to replace our AP statistics teacher or step in for her because she was having a baby and she was going to be out for six weeks and they needed somebody that could actually teach the material. And so she put me in contact. And so that was on Monday. I'm at TFA being interviewed and they brought me in the, for that you know, six week stretch during the second semester and haven't looked back since. So how did you, how did you find your, oh I'm assuming through Miss Grosshands, but like to foundation from TFA? Yeah, um, I, uh, you know, with the connection through the church, um, you know, I had, at that time Sean Minks was the, um, when I initially started was the um, head of school. And I'd spoken with him briefly and there wasn't anything really available at that time for as far as math teachers. And um, when I went to TFA for that short temporary stretch, um, finishing out the school year, um, they, you know, coming back the next year, they were fully staffed and like, we really want you to be here, but we're, we don't have any you know, openings. But there was another teacher there that knew the head of school at the Christ School, which is downtown Orlando. They're K through eight. And their math te teacher was leaving. And so I got connected there and interviewed and they hired me um, there for that next school year. And then ironically enough, as we went through that school year, once we got to spring break, I got a call from TFA and it was the head of school there. And he said, hey, we have a math teacher that's moving to North Carolina. I want you to come over here. So he said, let's go play golf. So on spring break, I went to go play golf with him. And, you know, kind of a, you know, sort of an interview. But since he already knew me, it was just, you know, once we finished playing, he goes, all right, I'm going to get a contract together and I'll give you a call later and we'll hammer out the details. Like, okay, great. Later in the day, we're at a flag football game for uh, Benjamin. My phone rings. thinking it's TFA. I answer it. It's Dr. Wenzel. From foundation he said that uh, yeah Brad I got your number um, we're looking for a math teacher <laughs> so, I was wondering if you might be interested in coming and talking to me and so you know it was it's it's funny because while I was trying to find the jobs and finance it was dead end after dead end after dead end after dead end like nothing and then you now they're teaching to you. and then yeah. you get to doors open everywhere and now there's three different schools that want me to come you know teach for them and so we always felt like foundation was, was home and it was a good fit. And at, at that time, um, Keisha uh, was also offered you know, a position to work at the, at the front desk at this campus. So for the first couple of years, 
she was at the front desk here um, while I was teaching, and, and then she's since moved to the North Campus, but it's, it's just been a great fit, and we, we love it. So is that I mean, we can keep going if you want, if you want to keep talking, but we're, we're we can leave it. Things, <laughs> we're at a we good don't really have any so. more good questions. Do we have, do you have any more questions? I mean, that's pretty much it. All right. Good. Well, yeah. so any, like, closing, like, phrase you want to say or something that I could just end it on? Closing phrase. <laughs> any, just pick something. Just pick anything. Any closing It'll phrase. probably be the title. But that'll probably <laughs> wind up being the title. <laughs> um, actually, what I would say is don't ever be afraid to follow wherever God is leading, no matter how crazy you think it is. And uh, so do it no matter how crazy it is. No matter <laughs> the title. Because believe it or not, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. <Wow. laughs> perfect. We'll, we'll talk.